Hey, Ryan, we want to remind people that we have uh, created a LinkedIn group for the Digital Broker Podcast. Both Ryan and I monitor the comments and questions that are there. The episodes are posted there. Uh, Comment on a particular episode if there's something you didn't understand, something we didn't explain well enough, a question you might have. Uh, go ahead and leave those comments there, and we'll uh, we'll monitor those, we'll respond to those, and we may post our own questions to you um, well, as you as you uh, go to the group. So, to join, you just go go into the search bar. It's on the top left of that LinkedIn screen. Uh, search for Digital Broker Podcast, and and make sure you choose groups. And then uh, you'll need to request to join, and we'll uh, quickly uh, get that approved as fast as we can. And then you'll be part of that group and able to. Uh, interact with us, ask questions, and let us know what you think. And as we see stuff, we'll give you a shout out, like uh, Olivia Smith. I think she's our like super fan, you know, <laughs> but she had a great, great comment on how to leverage data effectively, and it's something that we'll, we'll have a podcast on. But I think both you and I, Steve, we want to have a community. You know, we don't want to be talking at people. We want to be talking with people. And this is a way that we can build that community. I'm all about collaboration. I feel like you have a collaborative spirit. That's why we get along so effectively. And we want to bring these agencies and these folks that want to help make it better into this space. And so that's what it's about. So I'll try to, 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 to post stuff in there. But please don't be afraid to, to post any questions, anything you want. You know, let's, let's make it really cool for 2019. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. Take all your applications, put them into one electronic form, send that electronic form to your client, and Indio software will populate back to all those applications. Yeah, I'm going to add, um, I was just on the NetView income forum, and somebody had asked a question about Indio, and current user uh, wrote this back. I just copied it out. We are using Indio and absolutely love it. It's a way of automating, managing, and streamlining the application process. Uh, So that's from an actual user. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Well, hello, I'm Steve Anderson here with my co-host Ryan Deeds, and this is another episode of the uh, Digital Broker Podcast. Uh, Ryan, again, always great to be with you here in the studio. Um, Absolutely. Good morning. We do like you. the studio, don't we? I do. We, we like sitting across from each other, and uh, and uh, and the quality, hopefully, that uh, you've experienced uh, listening uh, is uh, is a little bit better. I get to be in your presence. Oh, well, know? there you go. Osmotically, <laughs> just getting the greatness from Steve. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I'm really thrilled to have a guest in our studio uh, today to talk about our topic, uh, which is accepting electronic payments uh, in an agency. 
Uh, Duke Williams comes. I've known Duke for uh, a long time. He um, lives in Durham, North Carolina, has been in the insurance industry forever. So, Duke, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. My first studio in Nashville. There you go. Um, now you have something to tell your kids about, right? I'll make them think I was playing music. That's right. <laughs> so uh, let's start off. Do give us uh, just a little bit of your background. Uh, you've been around a long time. Started in the insurance industry at age 10, working for my father's agency. My job was to uh, do the calculations and type up all the dwelling fire policies at new and renewal business. Use the big burrows hand crank on the front counter. <laughs> and so after that, I was a commercial underwriter at Kerma Forster, and then we uh, started a company called Accurator, which was the first personal lines uh, comparison rater on personal computers, and we've done a large variety of things since then. The thing I'm most hated for is we're the people that did the um, underwriting based on your credit score, so <laughs> we were the first to put that into rating, uh, but we've just done a lot of things over time. So. Great. Well, one of the things you did, a, a company you started, was um, electronic payments. Yes, and, simply easier payments. And, right. you know, I've, I've been on this bandwagon for a while in terms of customers' experience with an agency in terms of payment. And payments literally are the most common transaction that an individual has, typically with an agency. Usually four to five times as frequently a transaction that they deal with with an agency than anything else. And, and yet agents have been taught over the years by trade associations to whatever you do, don't take a payment. Right. Of course, there's still anywhere from 10 to 20% of agencies uh, do agency bill on commercial lines or on uh, you know things that are brokered. So. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, one of the changes that has gone on really literally for probably 10, 15 or longer years is this move from the old, you know, pay by check mm -hmm. to electronic versions. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I followed for a little while is the Federal Reserve Bank of New York publishes a report every three years right. on the number of non-cash transactions or the percentage by type. So this is Everything but cash. Yes. So it's ACH, it's credit cards, debit cards, prepaid cards. So the all of those electronic payment types, and obviously cash checks. Right. I mean, or, or not cash checks, but paper checks that um, people use. Yeah, and the Federal Reserve Bank breaks those out by category, and we we started our uh, business in 2006 when most things were still by check. So we've been riding that wave and. Now I'm afraid that wave's over because almost everything is electronic now. If it's non-cash, it's almost going to be electronic. Very few people pay by check anymore. Except in an agency. <laughs> well, in an agency where they have decided not to allow you to pay the way you would like to pay. You would like, and, and I think that's part of the customer experience piece that you know I think more and more agents and brokers need to be embracing. And so what I really want to talk about here is, okay, how, how do agents and brokers do that? Part of the issue that I feel they have is that, let's say that they open a merchant account, right? Have the ability to accept credit card as a payment. Mm -hmm. right. That's going to cost two and a half, three percent. It's By the time you add all of the extra fees and everything on, it's going to be three to three and a half percent. Okay. And, and especially if you're relatively low volume. Yeah. And, and the issue for most agents and brokers is that's on the total premium. That's right. Not just on their commission. And so at 
you know, two and a half percent, that's like an 18 percent reduction in their commission income. The numbers I have show that the average commission countrywide on all lines of business is 13 and a half percent. So it comes up to a little over 22 percent of your commission goes to your credit card fee, which is probably most of your profits. Yes. Yeah, a large portion of them for sure. I mean, and, and I, you know, as I've looked at the different electronic payment platforms out there, that's one of the things that I was, was struggling with is how, mm-hmm. do you, how do you help agencies? Because, you know, agencies have, there's a multitude of reasons they don't accept payments. I think that's one of them. I think the other is there's a fear, right, with, with allowing people to collect payments because mm-hmm. they don't have the processes behind that. But, yeah, I've never figured out how, to, how do you, if 3% of your freaking premium is a lot of money. You know. yeah, right. Well, and the other fear is usually E&O. That's usually what's mm-hmm. preached by the trade associations is your E&O. Right. Exposure. If you take a payment right. and the policy was already canceled, then you're on the hook for mm-hmm. you know any claim. And right. you know basically you've created a process to help agents be able to do that. So explain that a little bit. Well, we we um, I'm I'm steeped in the legal and regulatory side because growing up my father ran an agency, but he was the agency representative on a state and national level with a lot of regulatory authorities. So I just grew up listening to that at the dinner table. We were a very exciting family. (laughs) (laughs) So the issue is not how do you get rid of the fee. I mean, there's always something that is called a convenience fee that is legal in all but 10 states. And it's currently in a bunch of court cases. But those 10 states represent 60% of all premium charges. So, you know, that that creates something. But you have uh, insurance is not like... Uh, a retail store. It's not like a restaurant. Insurance is a regulated industry. And so you've got uh, all kinds of regulatory hurdles that the agency has to overcome if they want to charge anything in addition to a premium. Uh, In six or seven states, there are none. You could do whatever you wanted to. But in all the rest of the states, it sort of divides between you can only charge this and it's a specified amount, or you you have to get your customer to sign in writing that it's uh, acceptable to them. And then it has to be pretty much on all transactions, not just on one or two of them. And so those are the regulations that we've tried to find a way to deal with legally. And um, I, I think that we have done that. We removed it from being a charge that the agency makes to a charge that we make. And one of the keys to doing that is that we don't have a direct contract with the agency. The agency has a merchant agreement with our partner bank, and that contract says that they pay zero for their car transactions, and we have a contract with their merchant bank where we pick up the cost of that. So the agency is not charging a fee. We're charging a fee, and we're charging it for a service that we provide independently. So actually, the agency is not our customer. The uh, person making the payment is our customer. And that's a big distinction because, as, as they tell me in law school, um, if if something's illegal for me to do, it's illegal for me to hire someone to do. So, Steve, you can't hire someone legally to kill me. You would still get convicted of murder. And that same logic applies to uh, contracting with a third party to accept payments. If, if your state has rules that bind you or restrict you, those rules will apply to any third party you contract with to do that. So we eliminated the contract in our relationship as with the person making the payment. Okay, so let's let, let me go back and and just to make sure we're clear. So we you talked about earlier the convenience fee, right? <clears throat> so that is a mechanism to pass the 
charge for accepting the credit card back to the person who is making the payment. And actually, we all see that a lot because most, if not all, government entities that you want to pay using an electronic payment are able, right, legally right. to charge you an additional fee for accepting that particular card. So th that's what the convenience fee is. Yes, and geekily, that's actually technically in the industry a service fee, which is different okay. than a convenience fee, which is a legal term within the industry. And I know we're going to have people leave now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so don't. But uh, it's important that the person that you're working with knows the distinctions here and, and the rules and how they apply to all of you so they can protect you from being in violation of any of the rules. So convenience fees limitations are you have to say, charge a flat dollar fee regardless of the payment size. And you have to charge it on all transactions. So an example of where some states run into problems with these being the card rules is that in some states you can only charge an extra fee on commercial lines, not on personal lines. Well, then you're out of compliance with the card rules because that's not on all transactions. So they're just – it's uh, insurance has decided not to be simpler, easy to work with. Mm. Okay. So. so you had mentioned in different states have different – rules around what an agent can charge. Right. So that's not just credit card related, though, but that's just fees in general? Fees in general, yes. And, and anybody that wants to know what their state has is welcome to get in touch with us. We have a, a dynamic spreadsheet which updates every year of all of the laws in every state on this. And we may have the only one for all 51 jurisdictions because D.C. has its own rules. Has its own rules, too. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... What, so, uh, and again, I'm trying to get not boring, but mm -hmm. getting the, the yeah. right information because, you know, from my reading and research and some of our conversation, you know, the compliance issue here, I think, are pretty big. Who handles this? I mean, in an agency, I mean, you know, obviously you, you've made uh, an investment, a significant investment in time and energy to learn this. Yes, absolutely. And so as you deal with, with agencies that have a gamut of of different challenges. I think that's probably one of, they probably look at this as like a uh, something that's just difficult to climb when they start right. looking at the compliance. Who do you see handle this in Asia? Is this the CFO saying, we're gonna accept payments, let's charge forward? I mean, where, where, does, where does that impetus come from? Unless you're in a large agency group, nobody handles it. They just depend on whoever's selling them the service, which is usually a local bank, uh, to tell them you know, what they can and can't do. And the local people don't have no idea of insurance regulations. Right. So that's, that's a tremendous weakness. So another type of area that I think you'll probably get to is uh, many, many states have premium trust requirements. And so mm -hmm. you've got to think about that with this too. Some of the services that agents use actually collect the money themselves and put it in their bank account at rest as opposed to at transit and then forward it in two or three days to the agency. And so how does that satisfy the premium trust account laws? Right. And the trust, the, the, just for my own edification, when we're talking trust in that context, we're talking, I'm an agency, I collect payment, and I need to get that to my carrier, and it can't really be used to hit my operating expenses. Well, that's the general understanding, but unfortunately, it gets even worse than that. <laughs> so many of the states that have premium trust account requirements require that you put it in an official premium trust account, okay. bank account, and then they have rules and laws about what you can withdraw from that account. So, for instance, in the state of New York, if you were able to charge a fee yourself, which you're not for other reasons, but if you were, you couldn't take that money out of your premium trust account 
to pay for the cost of the transaction because that's not one of the four listed distributions mm-hmm. you can so make. So all of that would go into the trust account. And right. It's messy. Okay. It's, it, I mean, it's, you know, so the question really is not just who in the agency worries about it, but who who at the insurance department in your state is ever going to catch you. you right. Know? And that's a pretty bad business plan. Sure, sure. I don't. I don't think we'll get caught. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, no, no. <clears throat> well, and you don't, yeah, you don't want to run your agency around while well, nobody's getting caught, so therefore it's okay for us to do it. And I think, again, right. that's why that's, the, you know, this conversation is, is really important to understand some of the nuances that are unique mm-hmm. um, to insurance, there may be a couple other professions that have escrows or you know legal requirements and how money is handled and transferred. And actually, there there are, but those are all of the people that have been given exceptions already. There are industries like the utility industry or government or education, and the credit card industry has given them exceptions because they understood the regulations because they had unity in lobbying the credit cards to do that. But insurance just has not done that as an industry. Uh, maybe someday it will, but in, in without doing that, we found a solution that uses the rules and complies with all of the rules and allows the agent to be able to accomplish his goal. So is there a difference between um, direct bill and agency bill? So here, here, here's, here's the core of my question. Um, I pay both my business owner's policy and my homeowner's policy right. through a carrier portal. And there are different rules that apply to premiums accepted directly by the carrier, accepted by a broker, or accepted by an agent, uh, or accepted by a consultant. So all of those four entities have different rules that we have to understand and comply with. So. In some cases, the answer is going to be, no, there's not a difference, but in most cases, uh, there is going to be a difference. And the carriers generally do not have premium trust account rules, believe it or not, because, you know, they're the carrier. <laughs> well, and yeah, and, and the premium trust account is because the agent or broker accepts yes. carrier money mm-hmm. into their organization right. Right. and has a legal responsibility. And I, and I would say every state requires that an agent keep those monies separate. Well, every, every, actually they don't. Every state has fiduciary laws. Fiduciary laws, okay. In general, but not specific to uh, insurance. Like Alabama, they don't care, okay? But in Alabama, if you need to look at your agency contracts with your carrier, because a large number of the carrier contracts you have are going to require a premium trust account regardless of your state laws. Of the state law. That's just another level that you have to think about with this. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and part of my – so I can hear agents thinking, well, I'll just send my client to the carrier, mm-hmm. their yeah, payment yeah. portal. Then I, they can pay electronically directly to the carrier, and I don't have to worry about it. Well, that'll, that may work for direct bill. Right. Um, I will tell you my experience with my uh, business owner's policy, nationally known carrier <laughs> – when I go on the payment site to pay my bill, mm-hmm. the agency name is nowhere on that page. So I have a real problem, agency sending their clients to the carrier, certainly without branding from the agency at that right. carrier site, and are you start 
starting to put into their mind, why do I have an agent if I can do everything direct with the carrier? And one of the things that we do with our payment page is we let you put messages and sales messages and outside links uh, on the payment page if you want to try to do something else there. But we also allow you to direct the page after the payment is made to a page of your choice to try to do any follow-up or upselling. Yeah, and I think that can so, be a tr- tremendous asset just mm-hmm. as a, hey, oh, by the way, right? right? Kind mm-hmm. of. Well, it drives me crazy. I mean, you know, you think about developers today and how easy it is to create like Stripe payments, right? Mm-hmm. Like it takes literally like three hours to go and create a payment process through Stripe to be able to collect payments, right? right? Mm-hmm. And typically with, with products that are not insurance centric, you don't have so many different things to hop through. You know, you can just say, oh, I'm going to create whiz bang thing X and you come and buy it and there you go and I'm set up. So from a developer standpoint, it's just frustrating because, you know, ultimately, like you said, it drives drives the consumer experience, right? If we cannot master this, we can't figure out this, then we're always going to be giving that up to entities that may be better positioned to provide that customer experience because we don't, con- there's so little that agencies control. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it, it is extremely frustrating. Right. Well, this brings us to the fact that, you know, we started in 2006 solving this problem and now we're saying, okay, let's address the customer experience better. So one of the things we're doing, I know I've mentioned it to you, Steve, is we have other services that we do electronic signatures for, certified electronic signatures. We do uh, electronic documents for. We have a variety of uh, bots that we do and artificial intelligence products that we work on. So we've recently combined the ability for you to go to our invoicing section and upload multiple documents and put one document in front of the payment and one document behind the payment to make a better customer experience. So right now, if you sell somebody something and you're doing this by email, first you send them the document to sign, then you send them a separate email with an invoice, and then you send them a separate email saying, here's your binder, here's whatever. And so we've set it up so that that can be all done in one link and intelligently processed on a rules-based format. So you can upload a document and say, this has to go first, and here's the signature that has to be signed. And once it's signed, it opens up the payment page, which is pre-filled with the correct payment amount. And you do the payment, and once the payment's made, then it automatically delivers the signed application or document, the uh, receipt, and the binder or certificate of insurance or proof of insurance form all to the customer all in one piece. So it's it's removed the constant chasing around, did I get the right email, has they the responded to all of them. And the consumer experience from that product, I mean, is that, are they, you know, bringing that up, getting their credit card, popping that in there and, and paying that way? Yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless the consumer in our system, the consumer can always set up their own account because remember, they're our customer. Sure. So they're, they can just say pay and it'll pull their credit card information through. Okay. Or if they put in multiple, they can choose which method for it to be paid for. Nice. And you're able to protect all that information? Well, we have PCI Level 1 security. So <laughs> Explain what that means. <laughs> that's it's, a very safe answer. It's the, it's, it's, like it's the same security as um, the Federal Reserve Bank has. Okay. And, and so everything is encrypted uh, both at rest and in transit. And it, it is, while you can, everything can always be hacked, I'll never promise it can't be hacked, it is absolute cutting-edge state-of-the-art security. Okay. So, so keeping that credit card information is as we, protected as it is humanly we, possible. We keep that uh, 
and, and you don't have to worry about it. So it falls under our PCI security certification. You don't keep it as an agency. It's your customer keeping it with us, not you keeping it for your customer. Right. The agent never really sees it, right? I mean, it's all transparent. The agent has they, no they, access. Right, right, right. And which they wouldn't want access anyways for the most Correct. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They yeah. shouldn't want. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. But we have a lot of carriers who set this up so that they can do automatic recurring billing. You know, so mm-hmm. a carrier might have a bill plan of, you know, four payments or ten payments or whatever, and, and they have the customer set it up so that they don't have to send the customer an invoice every time. They send instead our system sends uh, two days prior to it being hit an email saying, we're getting ready to hit your card for this regular scheduled payment, and then it sends a receipt after it's made. Okay. Now, you had said, um, I want to go back to something uh, in terms of the electronic signature. So you said you could put a document before the payment or a document after the payment. Both. Either. Right. Or Mm -hmm. or both. Um, Or or you could actually put multiple documents if you needed to. Okay. And you had said earlier that some states require actually a signed document for the fee. But since we're charging the but fee, see, you're not charging the, agency. the fee, so they would that that wouldn't apply. But if you're using us in one of those six or seven states where you can charge the fee, and for some odd reason you want to charge the fee, or if you have other fees you want to charge that you're legally able to charge, but you need a signed document to accept that fee, like an inspection fee, or uh, a fee to run NVRs, or whatever the fees are that you may be charging, you can attach that document in front of the payment and get the signature. Right. Okay. Exactly right. Okay. All this is part of. A better process. I mean, we really believe that payments is a piece of a larger process. It's not just a, we're not a cashier. We're part of a, a better flow, and that's what we're trying to build. Okay. So, with that in mind, we also have uh, recently added the agent's ability to pay anyone any amount that they want to. So, if you want to use our system to send someone money, you can also do that. And the advantage there is that you can. Schedule your delivery of the funds so you have a known date that it will arrive, so it's better cash management. And would that work? So I've seen, you know, historically, and I keep seeing it, ENS market, mm-hmm. they've got to have money to bind uh, in their office, so the overnight yeah. check, right. FedEx, <laughs> it, that goes away? And in fact, we uh, this is an interesting question. I wish I had the answer to this morning, but we've just instituted a program that allows same-day funding, so four-hour funding for money you're receiving. And I have to f- ask my tech people the question of, can that be a same-day four-hour funding to the person you're paying? Because right, like a cyber, like right. a small cyber policy, they need the bind at that. They yes. need the check at that point they need in time, the, right. they need, mm-hmm. which is a pain in the well, butt for an agency because then we've got to go. We can right. send the electronic form. Yes, they can collect the data, and then we got to get the damn check to get over to the carrier, which right. which held us that process up quite a bit. You yeah, know, so that absolutely. Would, that would so that's that's that. what we're. I mean, we can we can guarantee get it there the next day, but uh, I think with this new technology that we've been given access to, we probably will be able to get there within four hours on the same day, which means if you're doing it at the end of day, that still (laughs) doesn't get there before they close their cycle. Uh, But uh, as long as the person you're sending money to is cycle. Well, I see a lot of different, to me, with with all the phishing and all the different weird stuff that's going through there, you know, I think that there are definite ways that if I had one place that I knew I was going to send money through and that Mm -hmm. system was the approved system, Now I have another check in place that may be able to help me mitigate some of that down the stretch. Absolutely. So yes. I like that. So this all sounds great. Sounds like a better customer experience, a way to take electronic payments. Um, I, I still have to say this story. I was told this story by uh, agency staff person that that's probably 
two or three years ago now, but a college graduate had come in, was buying apartment, auto, first time, and got everything, got the quote, got the apps, got all of that, and the person asked them for a, a check <laughs> for the down payment. Mm-hmm. And the person looked at him and said, I don't, what's that? I mean, sort of, but... It, can I, I Venmo have, you? I, right. I, yeah, can I, exactly. Right. I mean, um, <laughs> I don't have checks. Here's my debit card. And they literally walked out of the agency without buying. Right. Because the agency couldn't accept payment in their preferred method. Right. So talk a little bit about the cost. So, Well, the cost to the, we, we do not ever charge the agency anything. And, okay, and wait a minute. You gotta say that again. We we never charge the agency anything ever, period. And the reason for that is selfish. Okay, it's not us being nice. Most people will charge twenty or twenty-five dollars a month or whatever to the agency. But according to the New York Department of Insurance, that establishes legal agency between us and the insurance agency, so that for the purpose of the transaction, we are them even if we don't have a contract directly with them. So we can't have a direct contract and we cannot ever accept money from them or pay them money uh, from us. Any of those things make us them for the purposes of the transaction, which means all of the limitations that are created by insurance regulations now apply. So for that reason, we never charge our customer, our, our agency partner, anything. We charge our customer who is the person making the payment. That's our only source of revenue. Okay. And again, to be clear, the you're, correct me here. Uh, okay. the, so I'm thinking convenience fee and service fee because you've made right. that distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a flat fee? Is that a percentage of the amount of charge? How, we, how does we, the... we charge a, a flat fee as a minimum, which depends on your average payment size, but let's say three, four, five dollars. Okay, we have some customers who the minimum is 95 cents, but it's because they charge very small amounts. Okay. Uh, and then above a certain payment size, we charge a percentage, and usually it's like 2.95, something like that. Uh, it depends if you're a, if you're a premium finance company. Uh, the rates we get charged are higher, so we're going to charge higher rates, higher rates because back. we have a higher cost for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, that's about the range that it falls in. What, what, what if any are, how do I want to ask this? Why aren't agents doing more of this? What, what's, the, what's their <laughs> reasoning? Just they hadn't thought about it, didn't know it was available, or is there another objection? I, I think it's just habit. I mean, they haven't done it. I, I mean, you know, Ryan, I don't know what your agency has done or does do, but you're the one that's closest to an agency of right, any no, of the I three agree of with us. You. I mean, I think that it's, it's, uh, it's, you just talked about a whole mountain of compliance nightmares. Yes, and we get that's what turns people off right away. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you look at the E&O ramifications, when you look at some of the past legal challenges, I've been in agencies and known agencies that have collected payments and have gotten some legal trouble because maybe that person wasn't a great steward mm-hmm. of, of the money. Um, and so I think that principals hear that. And right now, the the consumer demand with the average size consumer that they're dealing with, it's not a huge deal. But I think as we move forward, especially with select accounts, with personal lines, if anybody's any agency's focusing on those spaces, they got to figure it out because they're going to get eaten by these organizations that are able to offer that one and done kind of seamless experience. I I think that agencies are coasting because their carriers that do direct bill all take card payments, Mm -hmm. and so they have been able to dilute the demand for it. But that you know, 
you look at the Federal Reserve Bank report, 80 plus percent of people want to pay electronically. That doesn't mean credit cards, that means electronically. Right. So, you know, you need to be able to offer that to people. I agree. I mean, and I think that your your example, Steve, was, was dead on. I mean, how many people choose to go to the place that I can just get the business done the fastest, mm-hmm. right? And you look at some of these new startups that are coming up that offer these very seamless experiences. If they're looking at, uh, if the agency is this legacy thing that that looks old and feels old and doesn't have modern ways to accept this kind of stuff, you're just putting a, a nail in your coffin, in my in my opinion. You, you got to figure this out. Which is why we've put so much time into how can we integrate ourselves into that flow. So mm-hmm. how can we combine ourselves with documents and signatures and receipts and certificates and everything else that has to be a part of that flow. Right. I mean that's really a key to us. So we have dozens of APIs that are available for anybody to interact with with our permission, uh, obviously, uh, where we take the complexities off of them. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting to know about. So, Duke, if somebody wants more details, more information from you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, SimplyEasierPayments.com. Okay. Uh, call our 800 number. We're on the East Coast, so East Coast hours on that, or email us from the contact information there. What's the 800 number? 800-768-0907. And if I'm an agency and I'm listening to this and I'm like, you know what, I, I really want to accept, offer this. Mm-hmm. What's that? Is that is that a five month process where they call and you work them through it, and it's a very long, arduous deal, or is that more of like, hey, I'm going to work with your ops team for a couple days, and soon, relatively soon, here's your process. I mean, are you guys pretty intrinsically um, aligned to get that that fork lifted up for them and make it work? So, if the agency just wants to, if they don't have an integration need, if they just want it as a standalone uh, service. Then the day that they send in their uh, merchant agreement, or the next day, they will be live. That's how fast. It is. And then they can just offer that option to their client when they're on the phone, right? I mean, the client doesn't have to leverage that if they don't want to. But as I, as an agency that's trying to get your Swiss Army knife of options for for customer experience, that would just be an option in there. That's right, and we we have no minimum that you have to do on a monthly basis. We right. never have any of that. I mean, if you have it for six months or twelve months and have never taken a payment, we probably might email you and say, you know, f- did you forget about it? <laughs> right. But you know, there's no cost to you to let it sit there. There's no uh, requirement that you use it. It's like you say, it's the customer's choice. Nice. Okay. Well, and Ryan, you mentioned integration. I want to real quick. I that we're, we need to cut off, but um, uh, management system integration. Mm-hmm. So I guess my first question is: Is there, and what would the benefit be to having a payment process like this integrated in a management system? Well, it depends on the management system and how it tracks things. So, for instance, we have integrated. I, well, I can't use the word integrated. We have passed data and interfaced with applied systems. Okay. That, that's something that we can do. We're not an official applied partner. It, it's through the API, their agency API. Okay. Apparently, they're going to be doing something similar at uh, Vertifor, but um, we are waiting on that. Uh, we have a bunch of other uh, s- systems that we've integrated with on the agency side, uh, call and ask. And then if you're a carrier or if you manage, if you have your own build-it-yourself system in the back, uh, almost every no, no, every single carrier we work with, we integrate with their back office system. So the advantage is that 
it's information more readily available and the correct information available. Um, and that's the weakness in an agency system is do you know uh, if the policy is enforced and the policy amount, is, is that carried in the management system or not? And it, it may not be. One of the things we deal with with that is we give you something that we have always called um, – a conditional payment, but recently we started calling it a reverse invoice <laughs> where the customer can hit a link that comes in and says, here's the bill I think I have and I want to make this payment, but it doesn't actually put a hold on the money or transact the payment until a person has seen it. So, Ryan, I don't know how long you've been in agencies, but I remember people sliding the envelopes under the door when you were closed. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea. You look at the check and you say, I don't know who this person is, or I do, and you accept it. So that's what those payments allow you to do is, is let people pay, and that keeps you uh, from in, in unintentionally insuring somebody. So steps like that we, we take precautions about. And I, and I know we're running long, but I do got one question. So if I, we're seeing more and more payment companies pop up. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's getting to be a, a uh, everybody understands that, that we need to address that at some point. Are there certain things that you would look for in a partner or certain things that you would say, you better make sure that they understand X, Y, and Z before you choose to partner with Y vendor? Um, Well, uh, obviously, if you want to know your state's regulations, whether you use us or not, we're glad to send you our documentation on your state regulations, and you can confirm it with your trade association or whoever you want to. Uh, And I I would do that as a, a minimum. But from the legal position that we are aware of, if you have a direct contract with that payment company, then you fall un- they fall under the laws you fall under. If they hold your money at rest, which is more than a day, then they fall under then they're collecting the money and they fall under the laws you fall under. So those would be the two things that I would be cautious of from based on our in-depth work in rules and regulations. So those are just easy questions. Who holds the money? Right. Right. For how long? And for how long? And do I have a direct contract with you? Okay. Because if I have a direct contract with you, then you are me, and all of the regulations that apply to me now apply to you for this transaction. Okay. Well, I think those are good takeaways. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Ryan. So, dude, thank you. Uh, Appreciate you being here and helping us learn a bit more about the... What do I call it? The, the sexy world the sexy of electronic world of payments. Electronic payments. <laughs> Life and death. Life. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So. Uh, and important. I mean, again, as we talk yeah. about that customer, they're going to go where it's easiest. And um, it's awfully exciting to say your insurance an agent, insurance agent, but it's better to get paid. <laughs> it's it, oh, it is it's best. Like, it's like you said, Steve. I mean, you know, if carriers will do it if you don't agents. Yep. Right? And, and, I mean, who do you want to control the relationship? I mean, you know your clients better agents than the carriers do, but you got to figure out ways to, to get yourself in that relationship loop and offer these services. Uh, if well, you, and the one thing we didn't – I didn't have time to get into, but just the idea that the agency can control what happens after the payment, if it's the most common transaction, then am I reminding that person of the other – types, lines right. of insurance I have to offer, the things that I'm doing for them. The Are you making it an emotional experience like we talked about earlier yeah. on? Are you taking advantage of that touch point that you have there? You Steve, know? you are the Amazon Jeff Bezos whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> what is the percent of Amazon sales that are upsells? Oh, I, I'd have to look it up, but a very large percentage. Uh, I and, think it's know, like 30 or 40 percent of yeah. their revenue is upsells. And it's just that people who bought this also bought that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that was such a simple idea when it was first put on that page and huge you know, revenue generator. So right. no question. Well, again, do thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm Steve Anderson. 
with Ryan Deeds, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Broker Podcast. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Post your questions and comments at the Digital Broker Podcast official LinkedIn group page. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio allows agencies to turn their application and renewal process into a fully digital, modern customer experience. The platform comes armed with a preloaded database of smart digital insurance forms and applications, an e-signature solution, auto-generated proposals, and secure document sharing. To learn more about Indio, go to www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's useindio.com slash podcast.